right, we are back with another episode of Seat of Your Pants. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm like in a game show host mode. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a perpetual game show host. <laughs> Something like that. It's funny because I'm doing another podcast this weekend, and they used to pick of me from like five years ago where I actually look like a fucking game show host. Anyway. <laughs> So here we are, back with another episode. We're off to a great start. We've got an amazing guest this week. He's got an amazing film coming on, uh, going on now. I think it launched already. Uh, uh, we have with us Lucky Fate, uh, star of Grinders, an adult time film. Did I get that right? Yeah. Awesome. And of course, co-hosting is the lovely and wonderful Mistress Kai. Oh, you're always so sweet to me. Yeah. You know, I don't think... Uh, even when you're feeling like curmudgeonly and get off my lawn and all that other mm-hmm, shit, mm-hmm. you're still wonderful. Like, I don't know. I mean, I've never really experienced your wrath and I don't want to. That's but- because I like you. I don't like most people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't either. But, you know. <laughs> no, I am curmudgeonly. I mean, I make no bones about that. Yeah. But yeah, I guess my wrath is kind of yucky. Well, you know what? You got to keep that wrap and strong. <laughs> so here we are. Um, we got our second episode now of season two of Seat of Your Pants. And, uh, you know, I guess today we got a lot of different things to cover. You know, it's funny. I was talking with Lucky uh, a little bit ago and over the past few days. We have a lot of similarities, uh, you know, other than the huge generational difference. But, you know, there's some cool things that we can jump into here that I'm really stoked about. Uh, but you know, first and foremost, Lucky, introduce yourself to everyone. And, uh, I definitely want to talk about this film that you have going on called Grinders. Yeah. Well, my name is Lucky Fate. Um, I've been in the industry just about a year now. Um, but I was kind of groomed for it. I was dating Lola Faye for three years prior. And so I saw a lot of the industry while dating her and met a lot of people through that. And then during COVID, we made some content together, outsourced for some companies. And actually one of the shoots that we did, we did one first place in a creators competition. So that, I started getting calls after that, and that's what got me working on sets. Very cool. I was going to ask what your origin story is, but there we go. Right yeah. out of the gate, you know? Yeah, so my and name I'm actually here. used to be Lucky Faye, but we added the T after her and I broke up. We're still very good friends, but after broke up, that's added good. the T just for a little separation. And it's also just kind of a silly little joke, Lucky Fate. And am I hearing a little bit of a Canadian accent? So I get that a lot. I'm from Boston. Which is close okay. to Canada, but yeah, people close say enough. when I say stop and about, they hear Canadian accent, but uh, born and raised in Boston. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know what? I knew that from uh, your phone, actually, now that I think about it, because I used to know area codes. I used to be a telemarketing guy way, way back in the day, and I knew every area code for some crazy-ass reason. Huh. You know? Yeah, 781. Yeah, just sticks with you. Yeah. That doesn't even surprise me that you were one of those telemarketing dudes. <laughs> like, it doesn't surprise me in the least bit. You were probably, did you, did you ever watch The Office? Oh, yeah. Seen it all. Right. So remember when Michael Scott takes that nighttime job and he's working yes. for the, the fake, uh, uh, some ephedra type of drug. Yeah. And he's yeah. already, and he's not working, but he's farting around and having a good time with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I imagine you would be doing. I would make sales. I can't even begin to tell you. That's a whole other episode <laughs> in and of itself. So, Lucky, what were you doing before you got into this industry? I mean, you've been in the business now for a year and you were groomed to get in. Uh, what got you in? And I mean, you've rocketed to a very high level so quickly. Yeah. So before working in the industry, I was working in the cannabis industry out here. That's actually what brought me out to California in the first place. Huh. Um, yeah, I was. I went to college in Portland, Maine. I majored in ceramics, so I, I do pottery, and I actually wrote my thesis on water pipes. 
So I started making water pipes and I have my own side business of that. It's called mud smoke. You can check it on Instagram, mudsmoke.com. Um, but so I was doing that, that kind of brought me out here cause I wanted to do more with cannabis. And I was also growing with a friend of mine when I was in college, but he sadly passed away. So after he passed away, I had a couple other friends from my hometown pass away and I just needed to get out of the East coast. And I always yeah. dreamed of coming out here, growing up being a skateboarder, seeing movies like Lords of Dogtown and stuff like that. Like, L.A. definitely became a mecca for me, both for cannabis and for skateboarding. So as soon as I was out of college, my dad and I split a car, went halves on it, and I drove straight out here. Wow. So yeah, I've been out here. I was growing for a while up until 2019 when all the laws changed and I had to go totally legal. And luckily, I was one of those guys that just loved to talk about weed and everything about it, the science behind it. So the shops that I was selling to, they were like, hey, we can't buy from you anymore, but would you like to come work for us and give information and some sessions and stuff like that to people that don't know much about cannabis, like our bud tenders, our newcomers, whatever. And so from there, I started working for a couple brands like Lowell Farms. I was working with uh, Shelf Life Distribution, a couple cannabis companies, just giving information, doing some sales, a whole bunch of stuff. But the industry out here is competitive and not in, not in a fun, fun competitive way. It's kind of just filled with sharks now because it's such a, such a high market industry that I kind of straight away from it towards the end, especially during the pandemic, I was working at a dispensary again and I just decided to stop working there and start working full-time helping Lola with her content creation and stuff. Cause during the pandemic, there wasn't really much going on in terms of shooting on set. So we were just doing that. And I found out that I really liked it. I like all sides of it, whether it was the lighting, the cameraman work, editing, or now I figured out, uh, performing. Well, it sounds like you got a future in this as far as, you know, performing and really just being behind the scenes if, and when that day decides, you know, to come, where you're doing both or one or the other. Yeah, ultimately, that's what I would like to work towards eventually is the directing side of things, whether it's directing my own stuff or directing for companies. But along the way, I'd like to try and do some more stuff just on sets, whether it's camera work or set design and stuff, because I come from that art background. So a lot of the set designers that I've met are really cool people, and their job seems pretty fun. You know, I was thinking that when you were talking, I was sort of visualizing you in the future where you're going to transition into more of um, engaging like your creative... I mean. It, you still have to engage like that creative part of yourself when you're performing, but the behind the scenes stuff and the directing of, um, you know, the art directing and just, you know, angle shots and things like that and lighting, it's still uh, deeply creative. Like I could totally see that for you. You'd probably be pretty fulfilled doing that. Would you, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that I'm trying to figure out, like I'm kind of learning about all the different areas of it. Like depending on the sets that I'm on, I'll totally bug different department members just to kind of like, pick their brains about the things that they do you know like uh matt who is the cameraman on grinders is one of my favorite cameramen in the industry and i was just constantly bugging him over his shoulder like what are you shooting in right now like what camera is this you know like just teach me everything because i don't really have much of a background in that unfortunately four years in art school and i didn't take any photography classes so no trying to make up for that now questions you're doing the right thing i mean you know it's constantly you know a learning process no matter what it is in life you know but in this industry uh, you know, people need to realize that, you know, yes, you have a career of, as a performer for really as long as you choose to. But, you know, at some point, you're either going to get tired of it or you're going to burn out or you're not going to feel comfortable or you're not going to have the time or your priorities are going to change. And, you know, at that point, it's like, well, do you want to stay in the industry or do you want to go somewhere else? And it's yeah. like, Exactly. And it's been such a welcoming industry. I feel like for a lot of people, too, that it's like, I don't, that's why I feel like a lot of people don't permanently step away. They just step into a different department. Sure. Because it's been so welcoming and so nice to be a part of that you don't want to step away from it just because you don't want to perform anymore, you know? You know, we hear that from a lot of our guests. I think yeah. we even 
touched on that on our uh, last episode, how we hear that um, from a lot of our guests that they just feel so welcomed by this industry and this whole community that we have here. Yeah, it's it's yeah. been amazing, honestly. Like a lot of the things that I've tried to dive into for work, especially like the cannabis one is one of those things that I constantly felt like I was trying to prove myself to try and get to the next position. But porn's been one of those that I've gotten into it and I've just immediately felt welcomed and never really felt like I had to prove myself or be anyone in particular other than myself. And I've been given amazing opportunities along this way. So well, I mean, you obviously you carry yourself you're, well. You're you're very engaging, and I mean, you're the type of person that people would want to work with. You know, just on surface level alone. So that you know that. actually brings me, uh, that brings me to this question: um, How did you land the lead role in Grinders? I mean, obviously, your skateboarding uh, raised attention, so that they're like, okay, we need to consider this guy. I mean, like, can you tell us the process of how? Uh, you book that because, you know, people are just so used to content creation and, you know, not full length feature movies like this. Yeah. You know? um, well, and surprisingly on the topic of content creation too, like I've been, I've been skateboarding for most of my life and I, I've kind of started to build a following on uh, Instagram and TikTok with my skateboarding and stuff, but not really any significant numbers. Um, but what happened was during, there was a Halloween industry event. And I went to it and I met uh, Ricky Greenwood there and we just got to talking. I think he said something along the lines of, he was like, you look like a little skateboarder or something like that. And I was like, I do skateboard. And so he started talking to me. He was like, I had this idea for this movie that I've wanted to do forever, kind of based on these old 80s, 90s skateboard films. And he was like, but the problem is I've just never found anyone in the industry that can actually skateboard. Like he was like, what I see in TV and movies a lot of times when they're portraying a skateboarder, like the actor will act like a skater and then go to hop on the board. And you can immediately tell this is their first time on a skateboard. You know, and so he's like, I want that authentic feel of you being a skateboarder and then hopping on it and riding away and doing a kickflip and showing that you actually skate. You know, you're not just like playing this role, which is really cool, because a lot of times on on feature sets, you're not playing yourself. You're really diving into playing a different character versus on just a regular like everyday set. You're just kind of playing lucky fate, you know, like you're just being your character that you've created lucky you know um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but being able to play that on a feature was really cool like uh sean alf who is the writer of it is a good friend of mine and so once i got the part for it and he wrote the script it definitely like the script was catered towards me as a as a person and so the character that i was playing was just me which is really awesome i mean i I saw the trailer uh when it like when i don't remember a month ago i don't know when this episode's going to come out but like i saw it before anything was like released and i'm like yeah this looks very fascinating i mean it's like the porn comes second the story and you know the world of everything because it takes place in the 90s right? yeah yeah so it takes place on uh on december 31st 1999 yeah yeah, whole movie happens in a day and it's all about y2k and so yeah it starts with me waking up follows me through the whole day ends with a big party at my like older brother's warehouse and then the next morning he gets arrested and taken off to prison which we knew he was going to be arrested hence the party um, and then, yeah, it's, it actually has a really happy ending, which you don't really see often in movies like this, but like a, a really, really cute ending. I'm looking forward to everyone seeing. Good. Well, I mean, porn and happy endings mm-hmm. go hand in hand. Yeah. The fact that it didn't end with just like pop shot, smile on the face, the end, you know, it's mm-hmm. actually like a drive off into the sunset and happy ending type of movie that you just don't see that often in porn. Yeah. OnlyDolls.com is the number one sex doll marketplace. Yes, you heard that right. Sex dolls. Not just any sex dolls. These dolls are life-size, lifelike, and can penetrate all three holes and have changed the industry, making dolls that everyone can afford. 
OnlyDolls.com works with content creators and influencers across the adult industry. Cam Girl? Cam Couple? Yeah, they have a crazy affiliate program that generates thousands of dollars every month for their affiliates. Pornstar? They can make an exact replica of you to offer to your fans. Oh, did I mention the guys at OnlyDolls are awesome dudes out of Miami? We love those guys. Want to monetize your fan base with a company that is changing the sex doll game? Hit them up today at OnlyDolls.com. Jay, do you remember New Year's Eve, Y2K, and that whole thing? I mean, we're old enough. We were young adults then. Do you oh, remember, I remember that it night? Vividly. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was in Australia, actually, Whoa. when that happened. Yeah, I was in Australia in the latter part of December 1999 uh, into 2000. And yeah, I remember, like, because I had at the time, um, I had kind of a shitty job in Hollywood, uh, and I just remember like everyone was getting prepared and worried, you know, it's going to, this is going to happen. That's going to happen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then a big fat fucking nothing, nothing, right? Nothing, nothing. It's like, I go back to work like a week later, I came back to the U S like the the week later and went to my job. And it's just like the year said like 19, I don't remember what it said. It was like 1900 or 19,000 or something. (laughs) It wasn't any big deal, you know, like nothing broke down or whatever. And, uh, I continued to watch porn on my mainstream computer at work and, you know, getting uh, viruses put on there because we were always forwarding <laughs> shit to each other way back then. I'd get, get a TXC file and be like, oh, cool, dwarf bowling, you know, and then I'd be playing the game. And then somebody would be like, oh, shit, there's a virus on our mainframe system, whatever. And I'd be like, ooh, and then I'd shut my computer off and I'm like, God, I got to get out of this job. This were we still doing the AOL dial up then? Yes. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely was. Dial up. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I gotta ask you, Lucky. So, do you have any uh, heroes, any stars, any skateboarders that you emulate or look up to? Oh, absolutely. Um, As far as skateboarders, um, there's a whole collection of them. Jason Park is one of my favorite skateboarders of all time. Because the other thing is that you can kind of see in the movie is the way that I learned to skate is not very textbook at all. Which is funny, having come out to California, because everyone here. This is skateboarding mecca. Everyone here learns by the book. You know, they learn how to ollie, they learn how to pop shove it, they learn how to kickflip, and they kind of learn everything in succession to get better and better. I didn't have any of that when I started. I was one of the kids that there wasn't a skate park in my hometown when I was really young. They finally built one when I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Um, but by then, everything that I was doing as far as tricks, I just kind of taught myself. So a lot of the tricks that I do when I'm skating don't really have names. They're just kind of like weird creative offshoots of just an idea that I had that then built and built and built. And so there's skaters out there like Jason Park who really skate like that. Um, Richie Jackson, same thing. They're both like fantastic skateboarders that are just so creative with the tricks that they do. They're not just trying to do the hardest trick over the biggest spot. They're trying to find the most interesting, unique spots and skate them in ways that people have never skated them before. And that's the stuff that I love is just like finding the creativity through that medium. So I don't know anything about skateboarding you know i mean i had a skateboard when they first came out when i was little but not nearly anything like how it's grown in popularity so i wanted to ask you who who do you think are the more um i guess successful skateboarders would be the the right 
word? Um, somebody who organically taught themselves or somebody who went through that structured thing in California like you were just talking about? So, and it's it's changed through the years with how skateboarding has also grown and developed. Like skateboarding was really big through the 70s, saw kind of a lull towards the end of the 70s, got bigger again in the mid 80s, saw a lull again kind of in the early 90s and then came back again in the 2000s. And now it's bigger than it's ever really been. And so through those changes, like in the 70s, it was really all about skating flat ground. And then suddenly in the 80s, when Tony Hawk was blowing up, it was all about mm-hmm. skating vert and half pipes. And I mean, right, right. Tony Hawk, like I know he's a very, very household name, but like full praise to that man for everything he's done for skateboarding, because he's really pushed the envelope and done so many things, even now that he's still doing for skateboarding over overseas and third world countries, building skate parks and providing skateboards and stuff like he's doing amazing stuff. Um, but so... As skateboarding has developed like that, as it's become more mainstream, I feel like it's become more textbook in the way that people learn. So there are skateboarders now like Shane O'Neill and Cody McIntyre that are like fantastic skateboarders that just look almost like robots in the way that they skate. Like every trick is perfect. And when you flip the board underneath your feet, there's so much inconsistency there and there's so many variables that can happen. But for these guys to flick it and catch it exactly the same every single time and have that kind of consistency is that's the textbook skating that you see coming from these LA kids now. Like I skate Pedlo skate park on victory, which is like one of the bigger skate parks around LA. And the kids there are unbelievable. Like having grown up in my town, being one of the better skateboarders around and then coming out here as a 30 year old and getting shown up by 16 year olds is humbling, (laughs) but it's, it's inspiring too. Cause these kids are surprisingly enough, like skateboarders on the surface seem a little abrasive and rough, but if you have a skateboard in your hand too, they're extremely welcoming people. So being kind of the shy person that I am, especially when it comes to skating, when I came out here and I started like building a little community of skateboarders, it was absolutely incredible, honestly. Oh, yeah. It can be very territorial. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I actually had <laughs> a little bit of a dust up with Tony Alva at uh, a concert. <laughs> really? I almost just spit up my drink. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, oh, shit. I'm going to get coffee on the screen. Yeah, I saw him at a, at a Hank 3 concert. This would have been over 20 years ago. Um, and the thing is, is that he got, I'm going to detail about this. I didn't like the guy. He was a dick. Okay. I, to and, be fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy did uh, a lot for skateboarding though. I mean, no yeah, question about absolutely. it. I mean, the old dog town and Z boys, but you know, I personality wise liked, uh, uh, Stacy Peralta more. Um, yeah, for you know? sure. And yeah, he seems just like a good, humble, successful dude, you know. And then Jay Adams, I mean, being the youngest of the group, yeah. what he did was great. I mean, I would have loved to have met either of them. And there's, you know, Tony Alva, I'm talking to him. And he was, I don't know if he was drunk or what the fuck was wrong with him, but, you know, he was a little bit out of it and he freaking shoved me, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm like, okay, I got a couple of choices. I could either shove him back, you know, I mean, the guy is, you know, quite a bit, well, he's like 11, 12 years older than me. Um, and it would turn into a fight for sure. Oh and yeah. I would get kicked out and I would lose out on my Hank three concert. And he'd probably have kicked my ass because, you know, he's from that generation that just really just did not give a shit, you know? And, yeah. I mean, you know, he was still in his forties at the time and just, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good situation. I just looked at him and I just, oh, fuck you, dude. so this you know, wasn't one of those, like you're in the pit and the music's jamming and your blood is pumping. No, and we were jamming. back ways. No, if it was in the pit, it would have been a different story. Yeah. I would have freaking thrown myself into him at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we were like back ways and it was just like, yeah, I don't want to get kicked out and I really don't want to get into a fight right now. And with this guy, you know, it would probably make some kind of news and, you know, I 
Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Tony's also, he was one of the first dudes to really be recognized as a skateboarder by the mainstream media, you know? So like, I can only imagine what that did to his ego off the bat. Like it was off the fucking charts. Yeah. I can (laughs) imagine. It was off the charts. I mean, I've met a lot of famous people in my time and the vast majority of them that I've dealt with for the most part were cool, but the ones that aren't, Oh my God. Raging, raging asshole. Yeah. So, well, and skateboarding attracts all kinds too, for sure. That's, I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about that, the, that original story of like Stacy, uh, Tony and, um, Jay is those are the three very different kinds of skateboarders that exist in the world. And I mean, now there's a lot more than three different kinds, but you definitely still have a, a asshole selection of skateboarders. My friend actually yesterday was wearing a shirt at the skate park that said, I love skateboarding. I hate skateboarders. It's like, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I haven't been on a board for many, many years at this point. Uh, just, yeah, I was a little bit older than you, and I more or less was kind of done with it at that point. Most of mine I did in my teens in the 80s. Yeah. You riding half pipes in the 80s? Yeah, barely. That was really <laughs> not my thing. Street skating was more my thing than anything else. Yeah. Just freestyle. Yeah. I have a question about skateboarders. I'm I'm curious about skateboarders. So when you were talking earlier, um, it seemed like it crossed my mind that maybe skateboarders found that because they were sort of introverted and it was something physical that they could do and get their energy out. You know, like when you're young guys and you get your energy out. Um, And I thought, oh, what a perfect thing for introverts. Yeah, 100%. But then there's this whole outward energy that's going out when you're doing all these tricks that's very extroverted so what do you see more of do you do you think it's more of like um a draw for introverts or extroverts i think it's totally a draw for introverts and that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that like will really surprise me about meeting some of the skaters that i meet too is like a lot of skateboarders look intimidating like they're not the friendliest looking people but a lot of them are also just shy and if you are nice and friendly to them, they'll brighten up to you so quickly. And it's, it throws me off sometimes. Like I'll see kids at the skate park that look real intimidating and I'll give them a little head nod and they'll give me a really happy smile in return. It's like, Whoa, like I wasn't expecting that, but you're just, they're in their zone with their music doing their thing. And it's, it's a really similar, I relate skateboarding a lot to gymnastics. I was a gymnast growing up, I competed for 12 years and coached it for four. And so it's one of those things that they're, they're very individual sports that it's really just you and whatever the feature is that you're on and whatever trick that you're trying to do. And so it's one of those things that you can't, if you fall, there's no one else to blame, you know, like it's, and it's, it teaches you. Rodney Mullen has a really great Ted talk where he talks about it, where skateboarding teaches you to fail. Because it's not one of those things you can ever pick up and immediately be good at. So it attracts the introverts that are also like extremely persistent. And those are the ones that really, because I know so many people that have ridden a skateboard, you know, everyone's ridden a skateboard before, but it's the ones that like try to do a kickflip and can't, and then spend the next three days in their driveway until they can finally do it. Those are the ones that then get addicted to it like the rest of us and can't stop because it's, it's really just a, a battle within yourself to get most of these tricks. Like I said, there's no one else that you can blame when you fall or mess something up. It's all really on you. And the other thing about skateboarding that's great is it's, it's a really, it's a really accessible sport for a lot of people out there. Like a skateboard is not extremely expensive and it lasts you a really long time. And so a lot of like lower income areas are, are riddled with skateboarders because it's a great mode of transportation if these kids don't have cars or bikes. 
um, it's cheap to maintain and it's you can skate for free basically anywhere you go. When you go to the skate park, you could be there for twelve hours with your buddies and you don't spend a dime, you know, like so it's it's great for that, but it's it's also great just for building confidence, you know, like as the individual when it's really up to you to land that trick, when you finally land it after falling twenty, thirty times. It's the most gratifying feeling in the world. Sure. I mean, I mean, it sounds wonderful because you're your own coach. You're your own motivation. You know, you have to overcome all the negative because we all have those negative thoughts in our head. And, you know, when you fail, you have to be your own coach to be like, get back up and do the fucking thing again and do it and do it and do it and do it until you, you know, get. And then the self, uh, the, the sense of accomplishment that you were talking about when you do do it, like. I would imagine that skateboarders are, you know, pretty well balanced folks. Yeah, there was a talk show host who said it. I forget who was saying this, but I've seen it recently. But he was, I actually, I forget who it was, but he was saying skateboarders are going to be okay because, like, you see skateboarders, they learn how to fall, they learn how to carry themselves, they learn humility through that, and then they learn the self confidence from gaining, getting over all of those things. And like, if you can figure out that in skateboarding and apply that to anything else, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also have to be pretty fearless too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even in the best of circumstances. Um, And it's interesting that you were talking about gymnastics and how involved you were with that for such a long time. I mean, that's a very tough, physically demanding sport. Oh yeah. What were you doing? Were you doing the rings, the horse, the high bar? What were you? So I used to, my brother and I were both actually gymnasts and we mostly competed. When I was competing, I competed vault. And then I also competed uneven bars, which is actually a female, um, whatever, um, area instead of the high bar because I was competing in a female, uh, division. So that was actually really fun. I think the uneven bars are way more fun than the high bar. Um, and my brother did, he had I think he was working on a floor routine last when I was competing with him. Um, but so we do tumbling, which is like the round off back handspring sure. backflips across the floor and stuff like that. And that's actually what I got into coaching when I was in college. Cause I, I worked at a gymnastics gym and I coached cheerleaders. So I coached them with their flips and stuff like that. Um, but can yeah, you do, can you do a standing backflip still? Yeah. <laughs> the only guys I've ever in my life been able to, to, to see, be able to do that are these, old 50 something short irish dudes there's too many of them in philly but there's a lot of them in philly for some reason <laughs> crazy now my kid just graduated high school and one of his classmates right there on stage in front of everyone did a standing backflip and landed it perfectly that's amazing and, yeah it was just like and there were like literally 2500 people in the venue it was just ridiculous fact and I'm just like, wow, well, he's lucky. I mean, if he would have, I mean, because it was it was a made up stage. It wasn't like an actual floor. Yeah. And I'm like, anything could have gone wrong. I mean, yeah, did he yeah. test it? Anything, you know? But <laughs> no, he did it. And he landed it. I mean, 18 year old kid. So whatever. But hope someone filmed yeah. it. That would go viral pretty quick. Jay, you probably get this a lot. There's uh, from gents. How do I get into porn? Do you get that a lot, or is that just the girls get it? Do you guys get that? I yeah, I actually get it surprisingly a lot. Um, I'm still, like I said, still relatively new, and I don't have the biggest following on social media yet, so I haven't been getting tons and tons of messages like that flooded to me, but I definitely do get it here and there. Um, and as a response to those, I have almost no advice whatsoever because we all <laughs> wound up here in totally different ways and right? kind of hence like the joke in my name is like i never thought that i would be doing this even when i started dating lola i was like pretty firmly against performing myself well 
most of the times when I get hit up by someone, it's just usually just some clown and it's like, right, right. whatever, you know I mean? But if I really get from someone that they're legitimate and like it, they do more than just private message me, Hey, I want to get into porn or, Hey, I want to fuck girls or this or that or whatever. And it, they, you know, they actually send me something like they've got like already have an OnlyFans account or they've actually, you know, uh, done some clips or some shit like that. You know, I always tell, I always tell them, look, you know, it always helps to just do your own thing, create your own content, put stuff out there, but you need to network with a lot of the right people. And it always, always, always helps to have at least one or two or 10 women that can vouch for you. Right. That Absolutely. Are already being successful, you know, Absolutely. With that, you know, if you have like a number of women who are active and you've worked with them and they can vouch for you and, you know, you have a reputation of being someone who can perform well and who's on time and this and that and everything and all the things that you need to, then you have a chance. Yeah. You know? I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but, uh, I just, I thought I guarantee in my head, I thought I guarantee he's getting hit up constantly because he's a young, attractive man and he's successful in porn. How do I get into porn? How do I get into porn? And I, and I know you don't have a lot of advice, but I was curious about that because I get inundated with questions like that and I've never filmed any content in my life. <laughs> and I get slammed with, with so I, I thought I wanted to ask him that because um it would seem to me that young men um who have this fantasy, like to them, you're probably living this fantasy life, you know, and they're imagining you at all these crazy parties. So I was wondering if you did get hit up a lot. Maybe not so much now, but I guarantee you probably will, you know, the more and more successful you get. Right, Jay? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know what you should tell people, Kai, if you hmm. get hit up on how do I get into porn? I get it all just the flat time. Out say, yeah, just just flat out say, just send me a pegging video and I'll get you produced. Anyway, <laughs> I'll pimp your ass out. <laughs> send me a pegging video. And we'll we'll make sure that you get paid for this one. Yeah, you'll be everywhere. You'll be you'll be number one on Pornhub. Well, know, honestly, right? even on that topic, like with the way that social media works these days, like you really can get into porn on your own by just making your own content and kind of doing your own things, whether you're po you're posting on OnlyFans or different clip sites and stuff, or just on Twitter, promoting yourself as a performer, taking pictures, posting clips, whatever, just building some type of buzz for your name or your brand that you're creating. is like the easiest way to start doing it because... A lot, I feel like a lot of people ask that because they think there's just like one easy pass that like, oh, mm -hmm. now you're a porn star. You're working five days a week. You're now getting paid. You're doing like it's it's no one has that run into it. I've probably had the closest of anyone to that run into it. And I've been extremely blessed in the last year of coming into this. But it, it's it all starts with just doing it yourself, you know, in the same way that if you want to be an artist or a musician or anything, you're not just going to immediately get signed by a label and then start making music. You're making the music long before the labels even heard your name. Mm -hmm. Got to do it. You just yeah. got to do it. And I mean, it also helps to know your audience, to know your product, and to know like who are you going to appeal to, you know? Yeah. And if you start seeing who you're appealing to, you need to, you know, for lack of a better term, exploit that as much as you possibly can. Well, find your niche you know? for sure. Like that's, and a yeah. lot of people, especially when it comes to things like sex work, like there are more kinks than I think anyone can count like i think if you were like how many kinks are there there's no number to that 
you know? So well, like actually if, there is 651. 651 kings? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, I was like, wow, I need, to, I need to hear the story behind this. What? <laughs> Listen to him. I'm the kink expert. <laughs> Jay's, the sil- Jay's the silly expert. I'm the kink expert. I'm the expert. idiot. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, it's hard to quantify that. But yeah, so there's like more kinks than anyone could even imagine. In fact, there's kinks that probably haven't even been tapped yet. For all so that's know. what I'm saying is if like, especially if you have some type of kink that you think is interesting and different and you can do it a better way than anyone else, film that, post that, put that places, you know, because like there's there's a market for everything in this industry. And if you can find your little niche, you'll be just fine. Hey, one thing I want to ask you about, you had mentioned to me... uh earlier that you're into gaming and you do oh yeah uh, yeah like what kind of stuff are you into um yeah tell, tell, tell us about uh some of your favorites in that so i have recently actually not recently but i've recently started ramping up more of my streaming on twitch um cool. streaming under lucky destrix is my my twitch account how do you I, spell that for the fans that are listening lucky De- destrix so it's lucky l-u-c-k-y and my gamer tag is destrix d-e-s-t-r-x you can find me on Twitch and on YouTube. Um, and I've been playing a lot with my brother. Uh, we play a lot of shooters. Like we play Fortnite and Valorant and Overwatch and just kind of team based shooter games that we can play together. I grew up playing a lot of solo games. I played a lot of RPGs and stuff like that by myself, which was great. And it was a fun use of all those hours that I put into them. But as an adult now, I've kind of found my the only time I really like gaming is when I'm playing with other people. I like the communal side of it. So also having moved out here from Boston, a huge part of my friend group is still across the country from here. So being able to log on and connect with them on games is really great. Um, So yeah, games have been an outlet for me for sure. And now it's, I'm trying to push the Twitch envelope a little bit more too, because it's really fun to be able to game and interact with people like that whole, the whole essence of playing with friends when I'm streaming on Twitch, it's like I'm playing with a group of friends sitting behind me on the couch, watching me play, which is, it's just that social aspect to it that's really nice it's less isolating which is kind of what we were touching on earlier where you're talking about growing up playing like at the arcade in the 80s and stuff like that like i i am envious of that because i grew up in a generation where game consoles were all at home you know and like the only time you were playing a game with someone is if they were sitting next to you at your house or their house versus having a, a hub to go to like a social location to go to and go be around girls and boys and play games and interact and eat food and just like be social and actually around people rather than just in front of a screen. Like that's, I feel like I missed out on a huge part of gaming development. Yeah, exactly. It's just the times, you know, I mean, it's like back in the early eighties, I would have to get on my bike and I would have to ride to the arcade and, you know, I'd have my allowance and, you know, I played Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and asteroids and space invaders and, you know, all that shit and everything. And I mean, you know, there'd be like other kids there and that's just, you know, it was a social outlet you'd get a hot dog for like 40 cents and, you know, it was, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, it was, that's, you know, that's how we had a social life like that. Cause otherwise you couldn't sit around and like communicate with people. I mean, you'd have to make one phone call at a time and that's if your yeah. parents went on the damn phone. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I used to love to go to the arcade, you know, it, it, it was a good place. Um, at least where I lived, you could meet kids from other schools because it was yep. sort of centrally located where it was within walking distance or hopping on your bike distance for everybody with three different school districts. And I might not have, and I, that's how I met my best friend. And I might not have met all, a lot of these people otherwise because we were in different school districts. But because of that arcade, we had the opportunity um, to to meet different people that were um 
in very poor neighborhoods and very wealthy neighborhoods. It was all just right in the middle there and we could get together and I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I do remember when, when the home um, console, um, what was that called? Was it Sega? Atari. Atari. Atari? I think it was Atari. Look, you and I are Pong people. Do you remember Pong? Like that was on our our television, right? So this is a long time ago, but I remember, I remember that console and what you were talking about where, I mean, our entire neighborhood, we get home from school and, those who had to do their homework first did their homework, and then we all met at Paul's house, right? And everybody met at Paul's house, and we even had like a lottery as to who would get to play the console because he was the lucky guy whose parents bought it for him. And I can't remember the game, but it was like an airplane, you know, dropping bombs and things like that. But that was, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I'm still very good friends with people that I met at that arcade that I spoke of. 40 years later, I think it's probably sure. about 40. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, and what a great experience. I mean, another great thing about it is, you know, I don't think kids or when I say kids, you know, people over the last 20 years, really not, it wasn't like a thing. I mean, you know, going to the arcade was also part of the mall. It was part of a bigger experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, hang out there and go to the food court. I mean, you watch any 80s movie. I mean, that's really how it was. And I mean, the beauty was, is yeah, you meet kids from other schools and everything like that. Um, but also, you know, um, I mean, at least this worked for me. It's just like, you know, I had friends that were in other schools and they would like point out the biggest sluts in their class. (laughs) I knew knew this was going somewhere (laughs) like that. (laughs) Just like, I would go to the mall and they'd like point out, just like, oh yeah, she'll give it up to anyone over there. And I'd be like, wow, I just found my next girlfriend. Um, but yeah, I I used to do the same thing, but I was like, that guy's a fucking asshole. That guy's a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, and it's funny because like I ended up taking one to prom and shit and just, I don't know. Good times. You yeah. Know? Good times. Look at us old people talking about old I people's know. stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about more young people's right? stuff, Lucky. Yeah, keep so, us young, uh, Lucky. <laughs> oh, you've, been in, you've been in Hollywood now. How long have you been out there? Um, so I just moved to this place this month. Um, yeah, I was in Hollywood last year, a little bit further down the boulevard in a little tiny apartment, uh, before I was working in porn. Uh, that was like right before during the pandemic where I was still working with Lola on OnlyFans content and some of the outsource content from companies like Gamma. Um, but was still working at the dispensary, doing the art thing still, and then moved in with her for a while. And then now I got this place here. Excellent. And I've got my brother with me here finally, which is amazing. Oh, yeah? So you yeah. guys get along well, obviously? Yeah, my one and only younger brother who looks older. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got a couple inches on me and a few pounds of muscle. I still look like a twig. Yeah, I mean, like, how big a guy are you? It's hard to tell in the movies. And I'm extremely average. I'm like 5'10", probably 150 pounds, the body of an 18-year-old, so I can play high schooler right. still. <laughs> yeah, up until I was a little bit older than you. I'm a little bit taller, but not much. I was 130 pounds. Yeah. So. I was, you know, lanky as fuck up until I was probably in my early to mid thirties. And then I just put on all the fact that I don't have gout or anything is crazy. Cause I put on, <laughs> like I went from like one thirty to one eighty in like four years. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. And then I just stayed there and I've been there now for the last, God, it's fluctuated, but not much the last 15 years, probably I've just stayed there. So I'm happy. 
So were you smoking a lot of weed? I mean, where did the weight gain come from? (laughs) For me? (laughs) Yeah. Beginning of middle age. My body Mm -hmm. finally just decided, no, you cannot eat everything you want to all the time. You know, your 28-inch waist, ha, I I laugh at that. And then, uh, you know, I just started becoming normal. I mean, I take it, Lucky, you've been like the same size since you were 18 years old? Even before that, honestly, I was like one of the tall kids in middle school, and then I just never really grew from then. Like my senior, I think my freshman year in high school, I was probably the same height as this. Um, but yeah. funny enough, my younger brother, his senior year in high school was like roughly 96 pounds. Oof. Now wow. he's 180. Yeah. A few years yeah. later, I guess a, no, quite, quite a few years later. But, around you. but you know, but it's his is muscle. He's a big, strong dude now. Oh, okay. He's a beefcake. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, how low, I mean, I, I like getting technical. I like nerding out on shit like this. I mean, at the height of your gymnastics, what was your body fat down to? Do you know? Oh, I don't know. But the, the thing oh. about gymnastics too is because you're lifting your own body weight instead of excess body weight, you build a lot of muscle density. So that's why a lot of gymnasts look like twigs and are powerhouses because they just have yeah. really like dense muscles. It could be very strong. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's that and skateboarding is the only reason I'm really in shape still because I don't really work out regularly. I just skateboard every single day. And then gymnastics kind of got me to the body that I have and I've maintained it through skateboarding. <laughs> what's um uh god i forgot what i was gonna say jesus christ it was a good question too oh my bad (laughs) (laughs) what's the worst injury you've ever had oh i've had a lot um so i've broken 18 bones not including fingers and toes yep grew up snowboarding skateboarding biking gymnastics everything kind of You've literally broken almost 10% of your bones. In your <laughs> I know, right? God yeah, damn. I've got pretty bad wrists and stuff because of it now. Um, it's actually wow. how I got my first cannabis card was because I've got carpal tunnel and I'm a potter. So I need my hands for that. You need them. Absolutely. So you've broken 18 but, bones. I think uh, the what worst, I- though, was I cracked my collarbone right <laughs> over a growth plate. And that's the only one that I blacked out for. I was snowboarding and I went to do... I don't even remember what it was. It was probably a misty or something like that. It was like a flip and I just didn't take off properly. And I kind of lost sight of where I was in the air and came down on my shoulder. And I just don't remember anything after that until I was in the infirmary. I guess my friend helped like bring me down there, but that was, that was one of the worst. Cause that was a really long recovery too. It broke on a growth plate. So it grew back together, but yeah, that, that was awful. Wrist breaks and elbows and stuff are are bad because you're you're you don't get the use of your hand, but a collarbone is your entire arm. Like you forget how much you use <laughs> that for. Like even moving your yeah. wrist, you feel it in your collarbone, you know. So that that one was no fun. No ankles or knees, though. No, I've got pretty bad knees. I've twisted my ankles pretty bad. Um, my knees are all bumpy from skateboarding. But actually, like four weeks ago now. <laughs> the, so Robbie Echo built a couple features for grinders, like a couple skateboarding features, like a little rail and a ledge. And so after the movie, we brought them over to Pedlo Skate Park to skate them. And I was skating one of them, and it decided not to slide. And I slammed my ribs into the corner of it and cracked two of my ribs like four <laughs> weeks ago. So they're feeling better now. The only time they really hurt is when I laugh really hard. But yeah, or lay on that side on your bed on, on the bed. Yeah. But I'm, I'm before. as a skateboarder, I'm really used to just constantly having injuries. So it's, I work through them for the most part, but I think, yeah, the collarbone was the worst in terms of like the pain itself. And then the recovery afterwards was awful. So what do you have coming up? We talked about grinders a bit. Yeah. What do we, what do you have coming up? 
So uh, Grinders, they just released the second part. They're releasing three and four later this month and next month, which I'm looking forward to. But I'm also right now working on this feature with uh, Seth Gamble um, that is also for Gamma. It's for Wicked. And it's about a family, um, a very, very rich and wealthy family who is about to lose everything. And I play their delinquent drug addict gambling son. <laughs> who is scheming to steal their money <laughs> so yeah getting to play something totally different than what i usually play it's really fun juicy ass roles man. Yeah. this is great yeah it's, it was, it's been really fun to play and especially having seth there like as the trained actor that he is and the amazing human that he is it's been really awesome to have his oversight for it it's really really cool like his direction and stuff like that because i haven't really had any directors sit down and run lines with me and the other talent and just kind of direct how we're delivering everything you know like trying to give us some background for the character get us in the right state of mind to deliver these lines as best we can you know i mean what a great energy and creative energy exchange that must be oh yeah absolutely and it's it's been amazing working with a lot of these girls too because like like i said i'm still relatively new to this and i'm actually the acting side of this is what scared me the most coming into this because i've got pretty significant stage fright my brother was the one who was doing theater and stuff in high school and i was terrified of that um but for some reason i think it's skateboarding and stuff like that having done it in front of a camera when it's just a small crew and they're filming it as soon as the red light's on i'm not thinking about anything but what i'm doing as opposed to a thousand eyes on me i can't not think about that you know Mm -hmm. um yeah working with a bunch of these people has been amazing these girls are great actresses so yeah. yeah, I had an acting background, but, it, you know, I was doing stuff in Hollywood before I got into this industry. And, uh, you know, I love, you know, being in front of the camera and everything, but I was always relegated to, you know, just the same kinds of roles and everything. So what you have going on, uh, you know, people need to understand. Um, <laughs> it's it's a rarity. I mean, for you to be able to be in this biz for the short of time and to get these kind of opportunities your way. Uh, and obviously, you know, you're old enough and smart enough to understand that uh, it's a gift. Yeah, absolutely. Ways, you like, know? I mean, hence the name. Like, I know it's a terrible joke at this point, but like, I do feel extremely lucky to be given all of the like the opportunities that I have so far. Like, it's just, this has been unreal. Like I was saying in cannabis, like I worked so hard to try and prove that I knew what I was doing and it just never felt like I was being accepted for that. And this industry I came in and I already have just been given things that I never even thought I would be able to reach. So. It's just, yeah, it's been incredible. You know, I think when you're a humble person, I think the universe sort of responds in kind. And and you're a very humble person. You know, you, you don't come across as en- entitled. I don't think you would be doing what you're doing and having the opportunities you're having if you weren't that type of person, if you weren't, you know, grounded and, and humble. People respond to that in mass. I think people definitely respond to that. Wouldn't you agree with that, Jay? Yeah, I definitely has a lot to do with it. It does. I mean, the person, but also the opportunities. I mean, you know, you got to have like a perfect storm of everything going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. The right opportunities meets with the right person, meets with just the right timing and everything like that. You know, if any one of these things is off balance or just isn't, you know, correct for that moment in time, then it kind of fucks it all up. So, you know, in this case, you just, you kind of hit the trifecta, you know, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of putting it. Oh, no, I was just saying, I'm just lucky that I fell into it. Like I said, it was not something I ever thought that I would be doing. And it just, like you said, like the right culmination of things, the right trifecta, it just seems like, like when I looked at it on paper and was like, all right, this is what this job requires. And this is who I am as a person. Like, 
These things are pretty similar. Check it out. We are now at that mark on mm-hmm. the show where we probably need to start wrapping it up. You know, kind of went quick, didn't it, folks? Oh, wow. Yeah, that was super quick. I know, right? I love when this happens. Yeah. I like to try to keep this around 45 minutes, you know, with everyone having such a short attention span. Uh, <laughs> you know, but also, you know, I want people to be able to want more. Because, I mean, at some point, we're going to become so rich and famous from this show, Kai, that people are going <laughs> to want right? to come back on. They're going to be like, <laughs> they're going to be fish fighting. <laughs> I already want to come back on. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to do that at some point. But, Lucky, uh, why don't you tell everyone what are the best ways for them to find out uh, about Grinders, but also the best ways to find you and reach you and see your content? Um, so the best way to find Grinders is adulttime.com. That's the one place it's being released right now. You can follow them on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, they're constantly posting stuff with it, photos, like exclusive photos from set days. It's being released in four parts, so they've been kind of – because there's four separate sex scenes within it. So they're releasing a bunch of the dialogue and content up to the sex scene in four separate parts. Um, and so the second one just dropped a few days ago. And yeah, I think they're exclusively on adulttime.com right now. Um, and then as for me, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at LuckyFateX. Um, yeah, and my OnlyFans is OnlyFans.com slash LuckyFate. <laughs> okay, Before so we go, like- wait a minute. Before we go, what are you doing on TikTok? On TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I have a few different things because I, I, I do my pottery. I do skateboarding. I really like comedy. So I make really stupid videos and I'm a huge nerd. So there's just a bunch of like random Star Wars nerdy content on there. Um, so I just I, it's TikTok is probably the closest platform that I really portray myself, which is just kind of like my goofy self and the interests that I have. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's that's where you can find most of my like jokes and silly videos and just whatever I feel like posting. It's kind of a shit posting page, but it's it's just fun stuff. <laughs> that's why I asked because um, I'm, I feel like that's sort of where you're seeing who people really are yeah, over on for TikTok, sure. right? The, their access and their creativity and who they are as a human being. You, I feel like you really see that. So that's why I wanted to know what you were doing over there. So everybody – get your butts over there and check lucky out i mean it sounds like a great combination of things like nobody's going to get bored with your tiktok right yeah and i just got my (laughs) studio installed for the first time in a year so i'm gonna be doing some live pottery videos soon i'm really excited for that excellent so yeah i'll just be chatting hanging out because pottery takes a little while so i'll be be sitting there throwing some stuff and just hanging out and chatting Mm -hmm. nice cool and i just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors uh thank you for supporting uh, seat of your pants, and this includes Only Dolls. OnlyDolls.com is the number one sex doll marketplace. Yes, you heard that right. Sex dolls. Not just any sex dolls. These dolls are life-size, lifelike, and can penetrate all three holes and have changed the industry, making dolls that everyone can afford. OnlyDolls.com works with content creators and influencers across the adult industry. Cam girl? Cam couple? Yeah, they have a crazy affiliate program that generates thousands of dollars every month for their affiliates. Pornstar? They can make an exact replica of you to offer to your fans. Oh, did I mention the guys at OnlyDolls are awesome dudes out of Miami? We love those guys. Want to monetize your fan base with a company that is changing the sex doll game? Hit them up today at OnlyDolls.com. And live unicorns and sugar bounce. That should wrap it up. Uh-huh. So thanks again for joining us as always, Kai. Thank you very much for being our esteemed guest today, Lucky Fate. And uh, we look forward to seeing all kinds of great things come from you uh, as time goes on. Thank and you you'll come so back, right? Me. You'll come back and see us? Oh, absolutely. Yay. This is great. 
You guys are awesome. 